Welcome into the podcast that brings listeners directly to the intersection of sports and entertainment through the lens and incomparable style of Dick Butkus. Direct from the 312, join hosts Matt Amendola and Matt Butkus as they dive into the worlds of football, pop culture, philanthropy, and more. This is Butkus Beyond the Line. Voters are red and violets are blue. If you've got any sense, you'll keep Butkus away from you. Welcome back to Butkus Beyond the Line. Today we are joined by Chris Haynes, former wide receiver for the Washington Commanders, the Chicago Bears, and the Buffalo Bills. And he also played on the 1977 National Championship team with Notre Dame. But first, the huddle. 989 on two, on two, on two. Ready? Ready? On two, on two, on two. Ready? Ready? For you guys that haven't been paying attention, um, about a week ago, another Brady scandal. Brady Gate, definitely, well, it's not actually in Tampa or New England. It's actually in Miami. Stephen Ross, the owner, not only docked multiple draft picks, but fined $1.5 million. What do you think about it, Matt? I think it happens more than you think. That's just, they just got caught. Yeah, it's tam- you, tampering you know? in the NFL, something they haven't really regulated as much. I mean, I can that, that one. I'd say even in college, remember, it's like when USC got busted with um, Reggie Bush, a lot of things you hear with other schools and stuff, it's like everybody does it. They just don't get caught. So, and, yeah. you know, some of the guests we have on have told us things that have happened and <laughs> things that appear, you know. Out of nowhere sometimes. So yeah, I, I mean, it is, it is, you know, something to consider. But it, like you said, I mean, they got caught. It's hard to police everybody, I guess, I'm sure, right? So that's another Brady kind of scandal with <laughs> yeah. the, remember, the deflating of the balls and stuff like that. What What did he, uh, what happened to him again? He was suspended or fined or not really? Uh, didn't they do have an investigation that went to trial? Didn't they have a trial? Yeah, they, they had a trial. I don't know how long it lasted, but I know as far as a slap on the wrist or anything, it's nothing compared to what the Dolphins are going through with this right. uh, scandal. Like you said, they had some momentum going with the, you know, oh, the, tra- the trades I, I, and yeah. Tua coming, you know, everybody's giving Tua a bad time that he can't throw, but I I think he can throw just fine. I mean, I think he's going to do really well. I mean, he's a performer under the lights. I mean, definitely since Alabama in the national championship game, when he, when he comes out, he does show up. I mean, as far as keeping him healthy, that's something completely different, but now he's got more tools than ever, you know, Hill being there and being uh, having one of the fastest defenses to keep uh, the other team from scoring, not to mention, I mean, his own tools as far as the speed on the wide receiver crew that he's going to be, you know, working with. So I don't know. I wish him the best, you know, unfortunately, probably, you know, definitely out of his hands, but, you know, Steven Ross is going to have to really kind of consider doing things different if, because it's not going to get any better this way. Right. And the Bears play the Dolphins this year. So, and we're going to the game. <laughs> Definitely if it's in Miami, if it's hopefully if it's later in the season it's in Miami so we don't have We've to, been to we've been to Miami game before. That's that's right. When your brother played for the Dolphins and they beat my Bears. That's right. <laughs> it was hotter than heck down there, remember? Was, oh my gosh. It was insanely hot. Yeah. But yeah, I can't wait to go to Miami. I don't know. I'm encouraged to see what the team's going to do. 
you know, after my brother being on the squad, I mean, I actually became more of a Dolphins fan. They got a great, a wild fan base that likes to uh, definitely pregame and, uh, you know, postgame after uh, whether it be the a winning a W or an L for the Dolphins. Yeah. So I don't know. They have a lot I mean, of history, too. With the, they have a lot of history, too, with the, you know, the undefeated team. And was that Mercury? Uh, Mercury Morris, Larry Zonka. Remember the Killer Bees, all the Bo Camper sure. and Baumhauer and Betters and yeah, so yeah, cool. Well, let's uh, let's get to Chris. Chris Haynes, our next guest on Butkus Beyond the Line. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients come to rely on them for full line of website services, from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Budkus Award and the Budkus Foundation websites. And we proudly recommend the team to AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today. One eight seven seven Web Now One. Welcome back. We are joined today by Chris Haynes, a former wide receiver that played for the Washington Commanders, now the Commanders the Chicago Bears, and the Buffalo Bills from 1979 to 1987. He also won a national championship playing for Notre Dame back in 1977. Chris Haynes, welcome to the show. So, buddy, it's been a while, <laughs> it's been a while since we got back from Italy. You got back from Italy. I got back from Italy. How I heard it went pretty well out there. Well, yeah, we uh, last Saturday won the, uh, the Division III Italian Super Bowl. Who would have thought that I, me calling the play with me calling the plays that we could have <laughs> undefeated, but we did. Right. And uh, what was the I score? Forty-five, thirty-eight in overtime, and uh, ran a fade route in overtime, and then we got you know they had an incomplete pass and won it. So nice. Hundred, hundred some degree heat, but I know yeah, I was you over were there. there. You were there, you know. Yeah. No, and in part, but there was no uh, no air conditioning, as you well know. So so. <laughs> <laughs> I know you would maybe start. I got a question for you. I know you uh, you're from uh, originally from Ohio. Correct. Uh, tell us a little about your upbringing and uh, and how you got into football and coaching and things that you're doing. And well, my father was uh, the coach, my my coach, but he was a coach at Sydney High School. It's the only high school in town. It's a small town, but big enough to be in the top division. You know, like with Moeller, Maslin, and um, anyway, so. When I was a kid, my dad was the big coach in Ohio, and he was the coach of the year in Ohio. And so they were 30-0 over a three-year span, and I think ranked third in the, in the state. They didn't have playoffs back then like they do now. Oh, they just – No, they, this was a 67. Yeah, 68, 69, oh, I was going to say 50. Yeah. It wasn't 57. No, it was 68, okay. 69, 67, 19 – yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> You feel like it. You feel like it was late. So, I mean, I wasn't very good at, at football. So, I mean, I kind of came out of a can in my senior year, but was really good in track and uh, went to the nationals when I was like 12 years old in track. Got smoked in the finals, but I still made it to the finals. Right. <laughs> but uh, 
So, you know, I, I really thought I was going to be running track. And even my junior year, I wasn't that good. I started spottingly uh, as a sophomore. No, I actually did so start as a sophomore as a free safety when it was horrible. And uh, junior year, I only had like 300 yards. But my senior year, I was running back and did pretty good. We had first team All-State. And uh, then I got recruited everywhere. Probably because of my speed, but, you know, um, which wasn't world class. But on the football field, I was pretty fast. And, I, you know, I was scared to death half the time. So Right. <laughs> And then you went on to had had Ohio State, Michigan, and Notre Dame as my three finals, and I chose Notre Dame. So why? Uh, long story. I don't know. Uh, Mom wanted me to go to Ohio State. Dad wanted me to go to Michigan. And I said, "Well, I'm going to get <laughs> both of you. I'm going to Notre Dame," which I didn't like, but that's okay. I turned out to be a best decision. I I actually thought that the education was great. Not that Michigan and Ohio State isn't great; both great schools. But I just thought I could play sooner there. And I didn't want to play running back. And they had me also as a free safety playing up at Michigan and Ohio State. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. So I ended up going out to wide that's receiver. And uh, yeah, they didn't safety. want you to be the last. No, and I started, I, I was the first freshman to start at Notre Dame ever. And uh, wow. So I held a couple of records there for a while until Ismail broke them, you know, that's but awesome. they didn't throw the ball. We had 2,000 yard you know, rushers. And back then we didn't, as you know, we didn't really throw the ball. So. Right. And then what, uh, then after that, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, I was injured a lot my senior year, and I, I think I probably could have gone higher in a draft, but, you know, hindsight is foresight. So we didn't have the same opportunities about going taking an extra year eligibility. So I got, I was kind of young and was drafted uh, by the, uh, Washington and uh, made the team there, but I got released during the season. And uh, fortunate enough, uh, Mr. Finks, Jim Finks, picked me up as a rookie and I played the, uh, End of the year and in the playoffs and made a team the next two years and uh, and had a pretty bad knee injury against Green Bay and was on injured reserve for a while. But then Dicta came in and, you know, of course, that's famous speech about half of you aren't going to be here when we go to the Super Bowl. He was pretty much correct. On that. <laughs> so <laughs> all three teams I played with went to the Super Bowl exactly three years after. And I think I should get a ring because somehow without me on that team, they wouldn't have got there. <laughs> so right. yep. I think I had some kind of a, I think I had some kind of a. But anyway, so no, I, I, I um, had a great experience, played in USFL and had a great, good career in the USFL and uh, played seven years, went to Canada, you know, but I'm pretty much fulfilled. Got a national championship. Now I got a, I wouldn't call it a pro championship, but it's a, Some? it's a, it's a pretty big deal. Cause that's why I went over there and it was a rough year, as you know, Yep, you were with me. So, <laughs> but it was different language barriers, but I really enjoyed it. Now I'm uh, doing at Loyola Academy, which is one of the top schools of football in uh, Illinois. I'm coaching the whiteouts up there. So nice. Well, Chris, hey, I just want to say congratulations as well on the Thank Italian you. championship. I actually ran across your name the other day. I uh I was flipping channels uh, on one of these uh Academy Award winning uh movie stations only, and there was a movie called Head Crusher. Can you tell us a little about Head Crusher? Well, if Porky's Nine was <laughs> ever released and or if ham hamburger hamburger four. Yeah, or yes, and 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 it, so head crusher would probably be a minus three on the rating, but I was oh, good. Man. I was good because I enjoyed it. I got you yeah, know. You man, Matt, to... Matt sent me a scene of the movie, and I believe you were running headfirst into a, a wall. I was actually pretty good. I did that without only one take, and I did it for real. And they said, "Oh my God, no! Don't don't go!" Oh my God. I said, "I'm fine." It, it looked wild. How long were you acting for? Well. <laughs> I've done a couple One of things. Day? I mean, I knew oh, it was all over. 24 hours. I was in the acting school. Lee Majors and uh, Mark Harmon got me into a good school out in uh, 
West Hollywood and I was doing uh, acting classes for a while and I had a desire to maybe try it. Yep. And I knew I was in trouble when I had a, uh, an audition for a part, uh, what was it, uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator? No, it was the one, uh, the one with the swords and everything. Oh, Conan. Yeah, Conan the Destroyer. Conan. And uh, they the I had me in there, and then Wilt Chamberlain got the part, so I couldn't figure out what they were really <laughs> looking for. I thought maybe that's about it. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty similar to Wilt. Very similar, yeah. We're really close. What you, maybe I was the black one. And, <laughs> black and white and 7'4 and 5'7. Body type. Very similar. <laughs> but let's not go there. Let's not go with that one. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I did. I did a couple thing, couple things on the side, but I mean nothing big. I did. My friend Mike Starr was in a movie with him. Uh, nothing big. Under the City. I think back in two thousand one. But I think Matt and I are going to try to get the Return of the Head Crusher going back. I had the script in my I'll, mind. I just got to you know we got to write it. I film it from Italy. You can film it from Italy. right. We could, and that that's we could do that. We maybe could do that. maybe Dola could be the new head crusher. We only need it. We just need. Can this. I be it's, the new head crusher? He'll be the head crusher. Believe we put it or him. not, these B movies, which it was, was a our hits, and this one was pretty. People liked it, but the problem was that there was some kind of a thing that the people that owned the rights they had a lawsuit and stuff went back and forth, so it never really got released, and only a few people mm -hmm. saw it. So, but it was supposedly on the. B movie uh, slasher like a three or four stars, no well, complaints about me. Come back, maybe they'll have a sequel. They wouldn't let me talk though. They just had my eyes in the gas mask, you know, and I was able to. I, I violently, I violently did stuff that you know they people were afraid. And, and, uh, we, they only knew that you could do that. They well, I you know here's the deal. You're doing a movie. Why why make it soft? I mean, so if you rough somebody up, it's more realistic. So people were kind of Absolutely. scared that I was roughing. I roughed a couple people up. It was actually out of being upset because I had to wait like till the end of the scene because all the blood. But I mean, people were coming up. Like, Can you take it easy on me? I mean, you're kind of rough. I that said, well, that well. reminds me of uh, you're freaking people out. You're freaking well, people but, out. But they're going to be scared in the scene and they're going to see that. The right. film shows if you're scared or you're faking. Like my dad was in Necessary Roughness. Right. With the guys and the actors, and he would be like, "Okay, guys." With like Randy White would be like, "Okay, let's really go on this take." Right. So they just light up the actors. Right. And the actors would get all pissed, and like, "What are you doing?" And you know, and my and my and the you know the NFL ex NFL guys on defense were all laughing. A girl came up to me and said, "You know, I used to work on ER or, or what was it? And and you know, this is what their their stuntmen did. And you know, you need to wear some body armor." I go. <laughs> Because I'm going to be hitting you. I said, I don't need it. I don't need it. She goes, okay, well, good luck for you. And then she, I just kind of abused her. Not too bad, but not, not in that way. But she let, let her hit me a few times. And then, yeah. There's ways they do things that are pretty interesting that you would never think, you know, if you ever see some of the scenes. But anyway, so it was not something I would let the kids see. But um, yeah. no, I, <laughs> I, I, I say, let's not go there. <laughs> let's not talk about the acting career. So I know you've been around for a long time. We know as far as your relationships throughout the league, I know you and Montana have a great relationship. I know you talked about his influence overseas in Italy too. How's your and uh, Joe Montana's relationship now? It's his birthday. I haven't heard back from him after I sent him a happy birthday uh, text. So we, we did a, uh, he asked me to do a um, documentary with him. Uh, it's on Peacock last year. It was released. I think that was pretty cool. We went down um, another teammate of mine and we, um, we're on the first episode quite a bit. And I think, you know, he's he's always taking care of me pretty much. He always gives me a lot of abuse, but that's him. He does it to everybody. 
And, and you uh, guys were on that Guinness commercial, weren't you? Yeah. That was the same weekend as we did that. Were you able yeah. to drink Guinness all day? No, I didn't. But uh, so he's, yeah, he's. <laughs> <laughs> but he did or what? Yeah, he's something else. He's he's uh, hanging out with him. You know, you know as well as I do, Matt, you go around with uh, somebody that's got a little bit of a name and it's kind of aggravating how people kind of come up and do things like, can you let us eat? I'll give you an autograph I, I, later I, I, maybe. Yeah. Or can I finish my. <laughs> Right. Whatever, you know, or, you know, like you're talking to somebody, somebody comes up and sticks up, yeah. you know, not never happens to me, but it's people <laughs> I know like that. And that's, yeah. he gets, it gets it bad. So he's pretty well recognized, but in Italy, they didn't recognize him. He was just kind of like walking oh, really? the streets. And I think they like, I think he liked that. Well, if you win in the championship, now people are going to be like in well, Italy. You know, believe it or not, there's some people, your people face. are starting to, you know, come around saying, man, you know what? Nobody believed we could do it. And I fought with people saying, you won't make it past the first round. I said, okay, well, we'll see. And I, I actually That's believed awesome. a little bit of it myself, but these guys, you know, came through. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't win ball games, really. This is the players that do it. It's just if they follow your lead. And, sure. I mean, they're on the field, and if you don't have the players, you're not going to win no matter how good a coach you are. I don't well, be, think. Being, being, from Dal- or being from Dallas, I, uh, I said from Dallas, but I live in Dallas, I – often go by the Cotton Bowl. So being the Cotton Bowl Hall of Famer that you are, when's the next time you come visit me in Dallas? I, I would love to come anytime. I, I, um, I've kind of gone to a lot of games on there, so I want to take a couple years off, but I'm coming down soon. I'm, I'm retired now, so I can do pretty much what I want to do. And uh, I make nice. him down this, maybe I'll come down this, uh, this Cotton Bowl. That's but I got to bring my, I got to bring my wife. I got to bring my wife this time because I'm. Might be uh, USC Notre Dame. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> or Baylor. I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, buddy. Maybe Baylor. Hey, we're making. So, I, for, by the way, Matt, I told you, Mark, Art Bryles won the championship in Division One. I. I read that. And uh, read and that. and yep. in Florence, and um, yeah. So I asked. Uh, but we had talked about. I know we spent some time earlier in the year before you went to Italy, while I was in Chicago, and uh, we had talked about Bryles being there. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy that he. He got to, uh, you know, kind of experience the same thing you did, you know, winning the championship out there. It's wild. It really is. And we played on his field. It was pretty cool. I, I, the, the, the biggest experience was, I, you know, remember the Olympics back when the Soviets used to win all the gold medals and they would play the national anthem. So they start playing an Italian national anthem and everybody's singing and it sounds just like the, the Soviet, the old Soviet Union national anthem. I'm, it was cool, but I mean, I was oh, like, really? oh yeah, it was wild. It was like... <laughs> Check that out. Well, they didn't play the American, obviously. But yeah, if it's on YouTube, you can see it. Um, and they're getting pretty much into it, and everybody's singing, and it's it's pretty cool. That national anthem. I had no idea what they were saying, but <laughs> so, sure. But uh, yeah, it's. Are you excited? Are you excited to see a reemergence in the USFL? I am, and uh, I know you played for them out there for a little while. We went down to see Brock uh, Olivo, and they they made a they had a good season. They got to the finals, Philadelphia. And I was happy for him. He reached out to me. I reached out to him recently. Um, nice. And um, Brock is, was one of the great coaches in USFL and also with the Bears and Chiefs with uh, Andy Reid and Matt Nagy with the Bears. And uh, I don't know what, what's going to happen there, but I'm hoping it will, will come back because I think Dallas, I think Dallas got a, the top player, one of the top players from USFL as a return mm-hmm. man maybe. But um, I think the USFL – I'm not going to mention why it went down, but it went into the owners going against each other and spending too much money. And, oh, really? uh, but there were some great players in the, in, in the USFL that obviously went on to the NFL and, and went to the Hall of Fame. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they get the NFL players that went to the USFL, kind of were at the end of their career, I think. But, you know, you got Steve Young, you got Gary Zimmerman, you can go on and on. Jim yeah. Kelly. Didn't you, play with Steve? Didn't you play with Steve Young? Yeah, I, I was with Steve for a year and a half. Um, and I uh, must say he got a lot better when he went to San Francisco. And I attribute that to probably to Bill Walsh. But, you know, he had we had Sid Gelman, and Sid mm-hmm. Gelman's great. You know, he just liked to run the ball. And you I got think, to play with Steve Young and Joe Montana. That's yeah, and Joe Theismann also. And Joe kind of was my big brother when I was with Washington. So Joe was, I really liked Joe. Joe was a good quarterback. He was a great athlete. Really yep. great athlete. Yep. Up until that fateful Oh, yeah, injury. we won't have that leg we injury. Whew, God, that was yeah. bad. Why do they show that stuff? I don't know. God. Tell us about your experience in the XFL. That's how I met Matt. You guys maybe don't know that, but that's how I met Matt and uh, his father. I interviewed with his father. I was scared to death. I remember, and my wife in Chicago. Yeah, and I remember my wife. I was I went out with her one time, and we didn't really get along that well. So she called me up, and I had an interview with Dick for a position assistant coach, and I was nervous as heck. I mean, really nervous. And I was just on my way out the door, and I cut her off. She goes, "Would you like to go out sometime?" And she was kind of like one of those, ha ha, you know, mm didn't sound excited but i was like so nervous i just like i can't talk right now i gotta go hung up <laughs> so we ended up hooking up like a few months later and then i think i was there yeah but matt was matt was with me he probably had something to do with us staying together i don't know why what was it like coaching with matt was it was like great well i'll tell you matt? what we we don't get credit and i even told john Olchick this that we were so good that we only had to look at film for 10 minutes on people and then we'd head out to get something to eat maybe we won't <laughs> and uh we went down to Notre Dame because we had them, and we had, what was it, three or four guys we liked, and we just looked at it and said, I like him. He's okay. He's good. So we were watching a Texas game, and we had the end zone shot, and we really, I didn't really know how to use a projector so well because we were used to those old projectors, reel to reel. But anyway, um, one of our guys, D. Cooper, yeah. another guy, Kevin McDougal, and we had like three or four guys, and uh, they didn't like him. I mean, the um, – player personnel director didn't like him and they got rid of deke and he ended up playing how many years in the nfl yeah like eight years <laughs> and then deke then kevin oh, mcdougall really? we were zero and five and tim lester was our quarterback and they uh you guys they, they replaced him with kevin mcdougall and we went to the playoffs so yeah so we had some guys we we were we that were right was another on. win didn't you guys win it yeah no we were getting we got beat by uh, oh la team yeah with tommy maddox but uh that's another guy that went yeah. But we had, you know, I learned a lot. Matt and I had some fun. We just had a blast. And so we got to be good friends. And Sure. Uh, he came over to my karate studio. Did you guys studio. recruit together? Were you, were you guys doing yeah. recruiting? Or That's what we did. Yeah, we went and recruit. We went to Northwestern, Illinois. Yep, Northern we went up there. And we, we didn't, like I said, we were so good, I thought, <laughs> that we didn't stay that long. We just, we, <laughs> <laughs> but we were right on. We were wrong. But we'd come back. Later. We were wrong. But they were always saying, you guys didn't put enough work into it. They're not good. And yet they would be good. So Casey Daly, remember? Yep. That? Jamie yeah. Baisley. Jamie Baisley. Yep. We didn't, yeah, we were, we were, we had the eye test and we figured out the rest. Those are good times. I mean, I, I was think. Was that I, the first time you coached anything like Yeah, that's the first that time caliber? I was a coach. Yeah, it was the first time I was coaching. I went, was at Niles West for seven years. And uh, how are you liking Loyola Academy? I know. Yeah, it's, same. it's different because there's under 20 kids. I don't know how I'm going to remember all their names, but. Um, we got some kids. We got Juan, Juan, Dave Wanstead's uh, grandson on our squad. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Father Hesburgh's ne- uh, nephew. <laughs> Notre Dame. Yeah. So. Um, Who, what's your schedule looking like with them this year? Who you guys play? 
First game is St. X, Cincinnati St. Xavier. It's been national TV for the varsity. Mm-hmm. I'm coaching mm-hmm. freshmen or receivers. Nice. We, pl- we play St. Xavier, and then we got all the Marist, all the tough teams. Mount, no break. They load them up on the schedule. You know, Marist, we'll St. Rita, St. Rita's, Mount Carmel, Lawrence, Brother Rice. Well, maybe your Italian championship touch will well, rub off a little bit. You know, the biggest problem, and Matt, you probably know this. Both Matts know this. You do a new offense or defense, especially if a new coach comes in, or you transfer to – it's the terminology that kills it. Yep. It's not the formations or the actual defense. It's what they're – you know, all the little – it's things like everybody has to change stuff. Why, I don't know. But – so you have to relearn everything. It's, it's like a new language a little bit. And that's what I'm sure. – that's kind of what I'm going through. And the offense is a little different. The formations aren't. But, I mean, you know, I'm just – you know, I'm – You guys spreading it out? Yeah, but they run. Yes. They run a lot. They, oh, they, they don't okay. – they don't – they do a lot of uh, read zones and RPOs and whatnot, uh, which I'm kind of okay of a fan of, but not the biggest fan. I'm just kind of old yeah. school. I like to, to take them deep on the first play. <laughs> there you go. What, what do you, you think do? about the Bears situation this year coming up? Do you think uh, <sighs> Justin Fields and, and uh, the new coaching change? At being away for six months, I didn't know half of the things that were going on until Matt came over or I just, you know, I'm not a, I don't get on the media, and over there, it's a big time change. So I just, you know, I kind of, I didn't know how many people they got rid of. And the mm-hmm. uh, only thing I hear is from Matt's, uh, Matt told me that his uh, his cousin likes him, you know, at Green Bay. He says he's a good guy, and I've heard good reports. But I got to go back and say, we've heard that every year we got a new coach. And I hear it right. sounds like sure. the same. It same, sounds like the yeah. same really easy to say early in the year when it no sounds yeah and it's nothing nothing against him it just sounds like the same record yeah we're gonna motivate our guy you know and it's yeah. like they're being very vague and you know it's just i've heard it before so i don't i don't know you know it's all i gotta say is that i'm just not how and how much can you change from last year yeah terrible? and i i i mean i'm not gonna be critical of him because i love him but i mean just so we'll just wait and see but i from what i've seen uh, ESPN, I hate to go on a limb. ESPN I hate to go out on a record and say they're in trouble, but I think they're in trouble. <laughs> ESPN is, is was predicting four wins in an article I read last week. So over and under five. I think four is four. accurate, <laughs> but, but I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I hate to say that, but I mean. Well, we'll let Obradovich. He'll, well, he'll take the Well, range. look, I, oh, I mean. I he gets going. It's the best. You didn't get any receivers. You know, oh, Michael wow. Robinson's gone. You got Mooney, he's going to be your number one, but then you get a couple other guys, but they're really not, I mean, the guy from Tennessee is like, you know, you never know. It could be a, who knows? There's been, you know, for years past, you know how that goes. They picked up a local tackle from Sandberg. And then Tevin Jenkins now is out. He's whatever he's on, the pup list, whatever that means. And so I I don't, if you can't block, you can't throw. (laughs) Right. If you can't block, you can't run. So I don't care who you think about David Montgomery, which I think is fabulous. Running back, if you can't, and, and so right now, as you know, guys, sure. offensive linemen are probably the smartest guys in football. That's what I thought in the past, but they have to communicate better than anybody else. And the defensive coordinators are the smartest coaches, I think, in in football. So go. they will find ways to attack you and and attack things with schemes. And if you if you don't know what your your, your line is right now, well, how many weeks is it? Six, five. It's not really a lot of time to About get a month away from well, game one. Well, yeah, and you don't know where you're at right now. You have nobody. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, Anchor but I mean, down. it seems to me like Justin better has to run for his life and he better put some bootlegs in somehow. I think, 
I agree with you. <laughs> I know I agree with you, but yeah, um, I'm, 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 I don't know. I'm excited to see what they can do, but I just hope that their offensive line can. Well, you, you got a guy that's a second round draft choices healthy. out last year's draft. I mean, he was got his counting on. So, I mean, and then you had. Well, uh, what they really need is because they didn't have a first round. I've said it before. They didn't have a first round draft pick. Yeah. The and guys I, that they did draft need to play. I, I agree. And I would say one thing, and, and this is like going back to the Herschel Walker days. Remember, Dallas, when they made that trade for so many picks, liked to kill Minnesota, I think, for years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they had so many guys they drafted, Jimmy Johnson drafted, and they had all those draft choices, and they gave away the, everything, and they had nothing for a few years. So they were down. And so, you know, we got Khalil Mack, great player, but look what happened. I mean, it just. Uh, I just don't think if I was a general manager, I would go though that route. I'd try to build the draft. How are they going to find the winning formula, Chris? How are they going to find the winning formula? They're going to have to build it from the draft and get lucky with some free agents here and there. Because there's guys out there that make it, you know, as well as I do, that are fourth, fifth, sixth rounders. I'll tell you one thing. I, I will say this. Jim Finks, if you look back at the success of the Bears, you look at his draft choices, all of them made it pretty much. There was yeah. maybe one Brad Shear, maybe yeah. Brad Shear. You got my year was uh, Hampton and Al Harris, and then you had uh, Ricky Watts. He he was okay, but then the second round was who's the second rounder? I can't remember now. He had Singletary the next year, Van Horn. You got Bortz. You got all those guys. Hilgi Hilgi was a free agent. Marjoram, Willie Galt, all those guys made it. And McMahon was the first rounder. Every single one of his draft choices made it. Suey, so you got to draft strong. Yeah, and and then he he had guys in the later rounds that made it like Kurt Becker that filled in and then they got Thayer was a fourth rounder i mean and then Leslie Frazier was a free agent when i was there so you got to you got to make it on some free agents and some lower round draft choices but your first rounders and second rounders got to make it and you got to have them there to be able to do it if you don't have yeah. them then you're you're kind of in trouble so i look at the super road to the super bowl and William Perry there's another one first round you look at the super bowl all the guys he had Wilbur Wilbur Marshall Everyone, Otis, Otis was a guy that was first round. Right. You look at all the guys they had in the Super Bowl. Mike Richardson. They, Mike Richardson's another first rounder for Fink. Fensick. Fensick was, I think Fensick was a free agent. I don't know if Fink's brought him in or not in Plank. We could ask Doug that. Doug would know. But um, his he brought Neil Armstrong from Minnesota and, and Buddy Ryan and under the Bundy Grant system. But he drafted so strong. And those guys, that was the reason they went to the Super Bowl. And after that, they have. If you look back, they didn't really do that. They didn't follow that blueprint, you know. And Mr. Finks went to Saints, and I don't know if he had any. But then the Cubs, I don't know. Well, you have a little history with um, the Bears executives, yeah, Notre Dame, and I mean, should should those guys be picking the team? You mean Ted Phillips? Uh, I mean, or or Benici was? I I, I don't. I don't want to get into that one. You know, I, I just, I you know, I mean, I, I had a joke that I could say, but I don't think it's proper. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just think you've set yourself up. If you come in and you're a general manager and you got nothing to work with, I mean, that's pretty tough. You yeah. know, I, I don't know. I don't know much about it. It's totally different than I, when I was there, but, oh, geez, I got to say, I yeah. just, I, it's I like just. like a self-inflicted uh, wound every year. Yeah, but I mean, Jimmy Johnson built the draft, built the Cowboys up through the draft. That's what he did. Yeah. It was a free agency, you know, and, and then, you know, Gil Brandt before that was, uh, Gil Brandt was a, like a free agent. He used to go out, you know, he did a lot of scouting, and, you know, he drafted well, but he also got a lot of guys like Charlie Waters and, you know, you got uh, Everson Walls who was a free agent, you know, you had guys all the way through that he had a few free agents that made it. So like Leslie Frazier was a free agent. I think Fensick might have been a free agent. 
Yeah. I'm not sure. But Gil Brandt actually used to go to the same gym I used to go to. I used to talk to him ever so often. My brother was on the team in 2008. So yeah, he had a he had a he had a great philosophy. Great philosophy. And I don't know if he could do that anymore, but I mean, uh he scoured the earth, man. He found guys, you know, and um uh, Richard to... Dent's another one. He's a ninth rounder. Yep. And, you know, you gotta have yeah. guys in the late rounds make Steve it. Steve McMichael. Steve McMichael was a second rounder with Patriots, but he brought him in. And look at the rest, you know. And uh, well, so. speaking about retirement and stuff like that happy retirement to your brother matt danny yeah. hung him up finally huh he's gonna be playing the guitar yeah. a lot lately yeah 13 13 years that's a lot of years for a wide receiver right chris a whole lot of years yep he uh just actually got out of surgery three days ago he uh was kind of cleaning up his rotator cuff and his bicep tendon so he's been uh sleeping in a chair with his arm in a sling oh, tell him i know that one that was last year and then that was three years before that i had both of them and it's no fun that bicep is not a fun So one. tell us all your operations you've had. Oh, too many. I go off in the uh, airport as soon as I walk through the... <laughs> as soon as you get <laughs> out of the cab. Your brother telling my fill form because I had to replace I will, definitely. I had the bicep. Everything's connected to bicep. That bicep killer is a killer. And I yeah, the sling yeah. on, but it's not really a sling. It's one of those... Like, it's weird. I don't know what to call it. It's, it's like a pad. It's like a sling with a, a, pa- yeah. a foam pad underneath it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you got to sleep like that for like six weeks. It's like no fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm super proud of him. I mean, his career has just been really fantastic. Following him all the way through. How many catches know, he have? About 200. Being undrafted. Oh, you know what? I don't know all of this. He was undrafted. Stuff. See, there's another one. He's undrafted. And look, see, Super you got to hit on guys. Like Super Bowl that. champ. Yep, and he got. I think uh, twice. I think Edelman was undrafted too, right? No, I think he was in the sixth round. Still, that being said, sixth round. Romo, and free agents. Diamonds in the rough. You got to find them. Yeah, and, the, you know, the Bears haven't done that so much. So. You think, hey, I got a question, Chris. Yeah. With the USFL and all these experimental leagues, they're trying to basically, you know, get people to play. I mean, do you think more diamond in the rough type I, of players are going to come out or do you think they'll be washed out? In the, in the... I, I think so because these guys are hungry to make the NFL. That's why they're there. And I think you, you got a guy that's hungry. And, you know, as well as I do, Matt, you played in D1, both of you guys did. And there's only a, a little bit of a difference between some guys. And there's, you can make that up mm-hmm. ability with hard work and not making mistakes and doing the little things, the fundamentals. I've seen guys that are second-round draft choices keep jumping off sides as a wide receiver. And that's pretty soon they just, you know, are forgetting plays or don't know their plays or don't. This guy in Dallas is a USFL, so he's going to be the first one I think we're going to take a look at. And they were really touting him pretty highly. But I think, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We had a guy on the Express in the USFL, started cornerback three years, and he was not a big name. He came out of UNLV, and he just was – and then he ended up starting for the Vikings and the Broncos for like eight years after. He was a good cornerback, don't get me wrong, but he worked hard, and he got his trade in the USFL. And he got confidence, and when he got to camp, somebody liked him, and he was on the special teams, and then he ended up being a starter. And then the rest is, you know, he played eight years. Wow. So he was a guy that wasn't been drafted in the NFL, and he wasn't. And he was a low draft choice for the Express. Um, came in the same year I did. So, yeah, Wyman Henderson was his name. We also had a guy from the XFL that played for Baltimore for years, and he was really looked down upon, and he was from Oklahoma. What was his name? Uh, defensive back. Do you remember? We were drafting him, and Cal Life loved him, but uh, nobody else said that he had a uh, – I'll remember his name from St. Louis. But this kid played for like five or six years with the Ravens, the starter. 
And, okay. Uh, yeah. Matt, tell him, ask him the you got got question. Hey, Chris, we got a segment called you got got. What player did you play against who gave you the most trouble? Who was the hardest person that you had to go against that you didn't look forward to seeing in that game? Who gave me what? the most problems, you know, as far as. Yeah, uh, like hitting the, the hardest. Or, <laughs> or no, just you. you Blank like, hit the hardest in practice because he was always just sitting on that 15-yard Or route. like, you know, just <laughs> you, you, were, you played him at, uh, you know, like, okay, this is going to be a tough game because this corner is great. USFL, corner. I got to say, well, I got three people I'm thinking it's cornerbacks, defensive backs, but Frank Minifield, who later played for the Browns. Right. He was all pro. And he was just, he was, he was the one I had to work really, really hard. And I, I just had some tough as nails. Huh? Yeah. Just tough as nails. He was small, but he was fast. It's like a four, three, but he was just, he was just hard to shake and you had to work him. And I, I ended up catching a couple passes against him, but he was tough. Mel Blunt, on the other hand, was the strongest guy and the scariest guy I ever went against with the Steelers, Mel Blunt. Oh, wow. And he yep. was gigantic. And, you know, back then they played cover too. And originally, you, we used to be in a two-point stance was as a wide receiver and as an X. It was just I remember I remember seeing the oh, NFL God. films about that. Yep. That's why we had to come up off the, off the uh, you know, from that stance, from a three-point stance up to the stand-up because they were just jamming. As soon as we come off the ball, they just hit the shoulder pads. But Mel Blunt was another one. And um, I have to say, when I broke in with the Redskins, Lamar Parrish, and we had three all-pro defensive backs in that. So I learned quickly. I had no choice to learn quickly how to get open. Laura Parrish, Joe Lavender, and Kenny Houston. And then the other guy was Mark Murphy, I think, who's the president of the Packers now. So those are four pretty good defensive backs going against him every day in practice. Yeah. So I would say I would say him. Um, what about in college? Nobody. Oh, nobody. <laughs> nobody. What do you like to do outside of football? I know now, you know that now that you're back in the states, watching movies you- with Matt and having burritos. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Quick, huh? <laughs> What's your favorite movie? I have 20,000 of them. <laughs> Ed Crusher, no. Uh, we have a lot of them. I, I would say one of them is uh, one of our all-time favorite. We like them all. But, you know, obviously one flew the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, that's... But I, I would say, you know, I played with a lot of Hall of Fame guys. I played with a lot of good guys. And I actually say that my blocking ability helped me play more and stay with teams because the teams I played with were running teams primarily. First was the Riggins with the Redskins. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, we only carried three receivers there, which was my demise, I think, eventually. Wow. Yeah, they only had three receivers, no practice squad or anything. And so, you were know. You, I, were you close with Riggins at all? No. He was, he's, a, those are the old over the hill gang guys. And they, and like, we only had five draft choices and, you know, free agents uh, because of all the trades that George Allen made. So a lot of the guys, like Mike Curtis was on the team. <laughs> A lot of old, older guys, and they got rid of a lot of guys, but they kept a lot of guys. Um, I, I came in when the end of the old over the hill gang guys, you, you oh, know, I see. the old cowboy games they used to play against. And Jack Party was a coach, and um, but you know he was, and he would hold out every, he would hold out every every training camp. Speaking of holding out, what's going to happen with Roquan this year? Is he going to? I I don't know. I I just heard something about holding in. <laughs> when holding I heard that, in. I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, you know, he would be at practice. But now I guess it's on the PUP. I have no idea. Is that a way of doing a contract, getting a contract done? Not getting, I don't understand. From what I understand, I mean, they're not on bad terms. But at the same time, they're just trying to work that contract out before the season starts. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, 
it's a different game. I'm 65, so I mean, it's it's been 65. 40, 40 years since I was in uh, since I left the league, and um, it's totally different now. Totally different. I just thought of another. Doug, like, I just thought of a, the best Doug Plank story. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get you on with him. Yeah, We're going to wrap this up and. Wanted to thank you for. I'm so glad to see you, Matt. I yep. know we talked a few times. You on too. Italy. Good to see you, Chris. Good to see you. I'm ready. I'm looking Hopefully forward to hang out it. soon. I'll try and be in uh, Chicago next we month. We got to put you on the uh, on the list uh, for Ricky. Also, yep. We got to add you to the list. So, All if right. you get a chance to forward your uh, your email to me, that's or text. I got your phone, so I can just put you on the phone. And text. Yeah, I'll text you it. Yep, got it. Good All righty. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, Chris. Thank you, buddy. Love you. All righty. That was great having Chris on. We've we've been through a lot together. We've been friends for several years now, and we've actually coached together and even spent some time in Italy together. Most importantly, yesterday, we him and I went to uh, visit Steve McMichael, who um, isn't doing really well right now, and Chris played with him, and, and I remember I was the ball boy with him for the Super Bowl win, and he was uh, quite a character. But now he's uh, has a fatal disease, and... Uh, we're going to try to help them out. By that, I mean their family's having a Mongo mash bash. It's uh, Sunday, August 14th, 2 to 6 p.m. The venue is 115 Bourbon Street. The address is 3359 West 115th Street, Marionette Park, Illinois. The admission is $40 and includes beer and food. And uh, there's going to be several ex-bears there. I think um, that's Dan Hampton and their band is going to play. And it's just a fundraiser to help uh, some of the costs going on with uh, Steve right now and just to help out his family. So let's step up and I'll see you guys there. Thank you, Chris Haynes, for joining the show today. And thank you to my co-host, Matt Amendola. Follow us on our social channels listed in the show description and thebutkasaward.com for updates on this podcast. If you're interested in purchasing number 51 merchandise, please go to dickbutkus.com. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. This podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I am your host, Matt Butkus, and we'll catch you on the next one. AmericanEagle.com has over two decades of experience designing websites that produce results. Their clients have come to rely on them for a full line of website services from consulting and strategy to digital marketing, hosting, and support. AmericanEagle.com is the technology partner you need if you're looking for online success. They work with clients in nearly every industry. They're also the official website and digital marketing provider for the Buckus Award and Buckus Foundation websites and we proudly recommend the team at AmericanEagle.com. Give AmericanEagle.com a call today, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1. That's AmericanEagle.com, 1-877-WEB-NOW-1.